like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. What a treat we have for you today. For some, it might be that Bill Miller has had three Grammy Awards, and for others, it might be his mastery of songwriting and powerful performances. A Mohican Indian from northern Wisconsin, longtime resident of Nashville, what I love best about Bill Miller is the unapologetic and deep spirituality in his music, emerging both from his Native American heritage and experience, but also from his Christian experience. Bill has had good times for sure, but also some bitter and painful times, and it has tempered his metal, making his music and his soul ever stronger. I'll be seeing him in person on Sunday, August 27th at the Great River Folk Festival in La Crosse, Wisconsin. But right now, Bill Miller joins us by cell phone from his car somewhere by the road in the vicinity of Nashville. Bill, I'm excited to finally have you here for a Song of the Soul. Well, thank you, Mark, for having me, and I'm looking forward to going on a little journey of a question-and-answer period. You know, the thing that finally lit a little bit of a fire under my butt was that you're going to be appearing at the Great River Folk Festival on August 27th. That Sunday, you're going to be there for the final day of that festival, which happens yearly right in La Crosse. And though I've really intended to get a hold of you for eight years now, Amongst the places that you've appeared, you've been at Joel Krenke's Cotter Creek House Concert Series. I imagine you've been there multiple times. How do you know Joel? Joel and I met in Channel High School. I knew his family, and we lived right down the road from each other. I mean, literally down the road. I could probably ride a bike to his house when I was growing up in Shano area. Well, so Joel, having been a forest behind the Shano Folk Festival that happens each year over there, He's connected to so much music, it's kind of surprising that one of his guests uh, for his concert series is just someone from down the road, except you're way down the road now. You're way down in Nashville. How long have you been there? I moved to Nashville in 1986, so it's been a long time. Did you go there because you just thought that's the place to make music, or what music were you playing at that time? No, I didn't know what was ahead of me. It was an act of faith. Michael Martin Murphy and an integrity dirt band and John Prine and a few other people I'd known said I should probably move to Nashville, and I've been touring with Michael Martin Murphy for a while. He was just getting a country career going for himself, and he said, watch come on down. I think you'll like it, and I think it'll open doors for you, and it, it eventually did. It took a while, but that's the reason I did, and, and at that time, I was still married and a lot younger. I remember my, my ex saying, well, let's give it a few years. Otherwise, we're moving back to Wisconsin, and I agreed with her. 
it's a total different culture down here. If nothing happens, we're going to move back. But it started to happen right away. Well, I'm glad that it's worked for you and certainly connecting with all those people, including John Prine. John Prine's one of your connections? Yeah, I've got a ton of connections. Yeah, I've known John for a while. Uh, he uh, came up and I did an opening for him in Lacrosse at Viterbo College years and years ago. And then I stayed in touch with John and I'd see him every once in a while in Nashville. I saw him, I think it was last year here, but yeah, I've got in touch with John and several of the other songwriters, like Nancy Griffin and I have written a song together, and it goes on, the list is too long to say it on your radio program, but if you're in the midst of songwriters, which I believe Nashville is one of the best places in the world for songwriting, especially during the time when I came in with Guy Clark here, John Prine, Nancy Griffith, Lyle Lovett, Steve Earle, Rodney Crowell, the list goes on and on. Towns Van Zandt was a friend of mine. And we'd all hang together at that time in the, in the 80s. And how unusual is it for someone who's Indian, who's Native American, to be part of those circles? Is that accepted? Was it hard getting in the door? Not at all. It was easier than I thought it would be. And the funny thing about it, not the musicians themselves, but the people here in Tennessee, they need to take the uh, DNA test. They all think they're Cherokee, part Cherokee. <laughs> Everyone I meet, oh, my great-great-grandmother was a Cherokee princess. And I say... First of all, they didn't have princes and kings in the Indian culture, but I don't know. Everybody says that. So I've gotten used to it. It used to bug me to hear that. But no, it wasn't a difficult thing. It was an added thing because music is music. It's really a part of a lot of cultures, of all cultures, not a lot. It's all cultural. And down here, it isn't just country. Like, I'd write with some country guys, but I'd write with guys who were just writing songs to write songs. One of those guys that I wrote with that I loved to write with was Peter Rowan who played a lot of bluegrass in his day, but we didn't write bluegrass tunes. We just wrote folk songs, whatever we'd come up with. So it's the experience of the playing, like the guitar styles, the mandolin style, the bass playing, the attitude of people that made a living strictly on music. They weren't part-timers. The guys I hung with were full frickin' time musicians, and that's where I was. There's a level there if you're full-time. I'm not saying I couldn't have taken another job. I didn't want to. I still don't. I couldn't do it if I tried. I don't want another job. I paint, too. I'm an artist, visual artist. But there's a difference when you're flying with those guys. The part-timers were a lot of people down here, which I understand. They're great musicians, and some break in, but, you know, they have to work at a grocery store, and I understand that. Or they have to work somewhere before they get in. But a lot of them stay with part-time throughout their life, and I, I can't see that. There has to come a time, for me anyway, where I said, no, I'm totally a musician, which I have been for most of my life. Well, and we're thankful that you have been doing that. You've put out a whole lot of albums. I don't even know how to count them all. If people do go to BillMiller.co, not C-O-M, but C-O, BillMiller.co, you'll find some of his music, and there's more music coming out. Why don't you start us out with some of your songs to get us started on your Song of the Soul? Well, some of the songs that I picked for your show are... um from the past. So you're not going to hear any really contemporary things. And I'm writing right now with John Carter Cash. I'm working on a, an album with Johnny Cash's son. John Carter's an incredible writer as well as performer, but he's also a great producer. So you won't hear those, not yet anyway. What you're going to hear first is a song called Windows of Time, which I wrote in 2001. This was a one-take song in the studio. So you're hearing me sing and play the guitar live with my vocal. There was no overdub on the vocal or my guitar at all. It's acoustic and the band just jammed with me. We overdubbed some other stuff later to the track, but the track is full-on live. I had written the lyrics two nights before then, and I hadn't had them all straightened out. And when I was singing, 
I was whipping through them in my head. I basically was making stuff coming to me, not making it up, but it was coming to me while I sang. And I haven't performed that song since I recently heard it. It's on YouTube now. What I do remember was I grew up in a farmhouse during my high school years in a farmhouse outside of Shano that was haunted. And, I mean, it was a weird place. And ghosts were always coming in and out of this house and scaring the crap out of us kids and my mom, too. But we dealt with it. We prayed a lot. But they shook the doors, opened windows, and flew in. And, I mean, it was that's another show. But uh, it was for real. And I was in the moment saying, wait, now I faced down real ghosts. But I uh, also faced uh, spirits of my present tense. You know, it was like that uh, Christmas movie. And I've faced down things that, that other people go through on the reservation. And I was in the midst of a lot of battles, a battle for my own life, battling against an alcoholic father, and a lot of different racist things going on with our people. It reminded me of a, of a big a spirit war. And so that's how I wrote that song. I think it's time to listen to some of Bill Miller's music for Song of the Soul. This is Windows of Time, and it's not released on any of his recordings yet. You can find a video with it on YouTube. I've got that link on northernspiritradio.org. Here is Windows of Time. Look into these eyes They've seen heartache, they've known peace In the lie, and I spent time on my knees.
you got some flavor of some of the musical variety of Bill Miller there in Windows of Time. Obviously, he knows how to rock out pretty hard, and he also knows Native American music of various sorts and bluegrass and folk. He channels a whole lot of music through his fingers and voice, and Windows of Time is a great example. You mentioned, Bill, some of the struggles that you had to deal with. A father dying of alcoholism. My father was an alcoholic and actually died of emphysema. He lived long enough to do that. But my mom died drunk driving, so I have some kinship with you already. How many kids did you have? Your son died right in this period, right? My son died two years ago, Garrett. He was 29 years old. I have to say it'll probably be in my life, and I don't know what's ahead of me, but I can't see it getting any worse than losing your child. Garrett especially was quite a special young man. He was a musician, an excellent musician, a godly child and a godly man. He had just gotten married. It was a hard, hard year to lose my son. That added on to my mother passing away nine months before him on the reservation and then going through the uh, difficulties and heartache and depression and realization that things change for people who are married a while. Divorce came into my life, but all those things are real. You know, they've been real difficult and painful. One of the lines in there, you say something about only the blood of the saints has brought me around. What did you mean by that? Well, in my belief, I'm a Native American who happens to be a Christian, but I'm not, for your listeners, I'm not a right-wing fanatic. I was brought up hardcore Democrat, but I'm disappointed with the Democratic Party. (laughs) But anyways, I'm not going to go into politics right now, but I'm not one side or other, but I am who I am. And in that... I mean only the blood of the saints, that sacrifice of saints, not only in the Bible, but in my life, my mother and others who bled for me during fights to save my life with a drunken father and my sisters and I and brothers. Those were saints in my life and the blood of their belief. They were believers in Jesus Christ. And uh, it brought me through the hardest of times uh, symbolically and also real blood. It's a symbol for me even of the native journey that I've been on too with the native journey that I've been blessed by by medicine men and others over the years that I've been given names and been in some very, very sacred and holy ceremonies on the red road, which represents the blood of the creator and and it's a sacred road. So all that is what it means. You know, the thing that we're doing now, I'm analyzing my song, but I want to tell you, Mark, it isn't my point to tell you that's the way you should listen to it because in reality, I don't really want to explain everything because it has its own power, art does, and I want them to listen, people listen and get what they get out of it after listening to it for 10, 12 times and maybe listening to it for years and realize it fits in their life in a certain way. Because of Creedence Clearwater Revival ever came up to me or whatever, John Fogarty, he lives here in Nashville, and said, well, I meant this when I wrote Who Will Stop the Rain, and I thought as a high school boy that it meant this. You know what I mean? It would ruin my intimacy with the song. So... <laughs> I grew up with songs meaning something to me, and that's what my art is for. I wrote the song for me at the moment, knowing I'm putting it out for the public. It's not a song like I want you to stick to, you know, like, this land is your land. That's the beauty of folk music. It's straightforward. It's black and white. But my music is more transcendent, more sometimes quite intimate, transparent, and it's also spirit-driven, which means it's open to you to come into your spirit. I don't want to control it. I really don't. Well, we're grateful that you allow us openness because we do have to have our own experience of the music. I am interested, though, in hearing the path that got you to the point where you're giving these gifts of music to us. That's a good question. Thing is, Mark, though, I don't think you'll find that in this interview. I don't care how many questions you ask because we aren't there yet. I'm not done with the journey. 
I think that you're a very understanding man. I can tell you where I'm at, what got me to this point, but not where I'm headed because it's not over yet. It's like asking a wolf, how many other deer are you going to kill? Well, the wolf would say, if they could speak, well, I don't know. You know I'm, I'm a survivor. I'm going to be here. You think you'll die this winter in Alaska? Well, I might. You know, So we don't know. I don't know. I'm still a wild animal in the music industry. I'm still going places that I expect that uh, I've never been. And I'm entering spots where a lot of other Native Americans have never been and entering spots where they have been. And I'm, I'm not afraid to keep being a journeyman because I still love to travel physically, spiritually, and emotionally. So you can't really define me yet. Well, I, and I'm not going to even try, but I'm just going to try and listen as we go through. So why don't we grab another of your songs, share it with folks so they can taste it for themselves and see what the flavor is. Well, this next song, Never Too Far Again, but I'm going to do the best I can to explain what I, I'll, I'll share with you why I wrote it, but then you take it from there. But a lot of people that have heard this next song said it reminds them of the relationship between them and their creator. Like God is never far from us. And I, it's never too far. I wrote it as a birthday gift to one of my children, and then it became just a song for all my kids when I was on the road as they're growing up, as they're little children. If you listen to the last verse, I say, if you're a bird, then I am the tree. If you're a boat, then I'm the ocean. If you're the da-da-da-da. And, and I say it to my little kids. I used to sing to them. And I missed them dearly when I toured. So I wrote this song for my children. And there's a lot of spirit that travels there. My spirit's so wrapped up with my son, even though I don't see him, but every several months. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that completely. Well, the song is by Bill Miller. It's Never Too Far for Song of the Soul.
gift of song from Bill Miller. He's here with us today for Song of the Soul, which is, you know, a Northern Spirit Radio production on the web. That means you find us at northernspiritradio.org. With over 12 years of our programs for free listening and download, you'll find links to our guests. So when you want to track down Bill Miller, which sounds like a pretty common name, fortunately, the website billmiller.co was available, and you can track down Bill Miller there. The link, though, is on nordenspiritradio.org. There's also a place to post comments, and we love two-way communication. When you visit, please post your comment. Let us know what you're thinking. We want to listen to you, too. There's also a place to donate. This is full-time work, and your donations are the only way we fund this. It's not by government. It's not by corporations. It's because you believe in having these programs continue. So click donate when you come. Even more important, though, I'd say make sure you support your local media, and specifically your local community radio station, like WIDE down in Madison, you know, W. DRT, which is over right near La Crosse, Wisconsin, where Bill Miller would be appearing at the Great River Folk Festival on Sunday, August 27th, 2017. He's headlining on that Sunday. So remember, support your local community radio station and give the gift of music and news from the roots. I feel that that's a lot of what you're about, Bill, is roots. You've made the point, as we've been talking, about people need to interpret themselves. They can't be mass-produced, and you can't mass-produce the meaning and the spirit and the sense that's at people's center. Have people tried to package you that way? Oh, yeah, and they've been very frustrated, and, and I as well. When I was a younger man and, and getting first record deal I had was with Warner Brothers, it was exciting as all get out, but I thought, I'll listen to everything they're saying because they're the pros and after realize that they don't know anything about Indian culture. They're good people, but they're just trying to make me into a star, which I could care less, but their ways of getting to it were slashing my culture away and trying to make me look different and everything else. And I thought, no, no, that's not for me. And it reminds me of what assimilation, the word assimilation, did for, uh, and still people demanding it in this country with refugees, but for us being the original people, they wanted us to assimilate into American culture. And the only way I assimilated is through victory and through food and through the good times, even in suffering. If we assimilate into some other, an Irish family or an Arab family that's suffering right now or, or Catholic family, whatever, and you suffer together, you grow deeply in the suffering and to bond as people and souls. But assimilating to be, uh, I'm going to live like you do in Hollywood. I'm going to look just like the Kardashians a bunch of bull crap. That's the last family I'd want to look like. I don't care what they say to me. I mean, they may be nice people, but it's not my style. They're all right, but you know, I'm just using that as an example, is that people want to assimilate into that, and I've never wanted to do that, especially in my art. I'm influenced by a lot of great people, don't get me wrong, and I like to tour with them. And every note that's been sung in pop music, rock music, bluegrass, it's been sung by somebody. So there's notes flying around. We just got to keep rearranging them in an original sense. But um, I don't believe in full assimilation at all. I think everybody has their own right to listen, to cry over whatever they need to cry over. And what's amazing is if you allow somebody to be themselves, as I believe God does, because he created us individually, every one of us different, is that if you allow somebody to be themselves in tear or in joy, they become fuller and they, they want to love on you. The love comes back to you. But if you limit them, and say, listen, you only can cry at a funeral. Or you, you can't mention Hitler at all. You can't talk about that crap. You can't talk about this. You can't talk about Wounded Knee. 
please don't mention it. Or let's get personal here. You can't talk about your family that was molested. You can't talk about the priest that did it. You can't talk, you know, that's where it gets weird. And those are conditions. A lot of conditions we meet up in society. And it's systemic. It's systemic racism. It's systemic beatings. It's systemic with the stopping us from becoming successful. We let the system guide us. And it's not for me. I don't think I'm being a radical because I'm saying that. I'm just saying it's not free. I believe in unconditional love, truly unconditional love. And people can say, well, what's that? Well, I'll tell you simply, it's, it's your Labrador. It's your black lab. Unconditional love, the dog. You can kick him and hit him and everything. He's still going to love you. It's not to say you should kick him or hit him. I'm just saying that's how much love a dog has for its owner. They may make a mistake. You're all upset at them. You yell at them. You make them sit outside. They come back in. They love you constantly, constantly love you. And people can't get there. You know, they don't know what that's about. Well, I'll love you if you pay me. I guess I'll like your music if you wear your hair going straight up and you paint it blue. I like it then. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't do it for that. I, I do it purely for my own likes, for my love, and hope and pray that you accept it and that you like it. If you don't, that's fine. I don't care. Well, I do love it, fortunately. So I'd like to share some more of it. What would you like to share next, Bill? Let's Try Dark River. That song was another one from a dream. And I had just listened to a bunch of CDs that got me in a frame of mind, which is good, by a British band named Radiohead. And they're out there. And I got up the next morning and wrote this song. My producer said, what is that? I said, I have no idea. But let's put it down. And Dark River came one take also. So you're hearing a one-take version there of Dark River. Which is on the recording Chronicles of Hope by Bill Miller. Here's Dark River.
selected Dark River for his Song of the Soul. That's from Chronicles of Hope, which is a 2010 recording from Bill Miller. His website, again, billmiller.co. If you have trouble getting to his site, come by nordenspiritradio.org. I've got the correct link on there. That's on a recording, Bill, with a number of songs, Waiting on the Lord, Keep It Holy, Blind Faith. You already mentioned that some people think that there's some disconnect between being Christian and being Native American. Some people probably do experience it that way. How have you seen that work amongst the folks that you've known from the res, from the wider associations with Native Americans that you have? Well, I've gotten more negatives from non-Indians than Natives. Uh, usually it's the very educated white professor who gets on my case, how, how dare you believe in Jesus Christ or Christianity or whatever, because you're an Indian. The Christians killed you. And I'm like, well, no, it was mankind. It was racist Christians or whatever they were, but they were not quite right, obviously. When you walk in faith, it's like being a warrior. You know, I'm at a certain time in my life where I'm going to keep walking. I'm not going to, I'm about to change and become a Zen Buddhist tomorrow. It's nothing against that. I have nothing against Buddhism. What I'm saying is I, I am who I am. Why can't the world respect me for who I am? They respect the Zen Buddhist, but they can't respect a Native American who loves Native ceremonies, Native heritage, Native spiritualism along that I happen to be a Christian. They can't see the two mixing, but I, I can. I make it work every day with God, me and the Lord. And I'll go down to my grave knowing that's, that I've walked that walk on the red road, honoring my creator by being a Native man. I just don't have another way, and I don't want another way. And I wouldn't want you to have another way, not that I'm in control of anything. So, again, that was from a 2010 recording, Chronicles of Hope. Are you feeling hopeful at the moment? (laughs) Yeah, I am. I'm in a car right now in some pretty hot weather in the south. Got the air conditioning on super low. I've been running. I'm hoping that my car doesn't blow up while I'm giving this interview. But, Mark, I live in the present tense, and I had to learn over many, many years to do that because when you grew up in a traumatic events in your life with alcoholism, racism, and just everything can be trauma, even going to college and trying to graduate and trying to get a record deal and going through different things, challenges. Sometimes we shoot too far ahead. Other times we lean on our past to make us what we are today. Well, we are. The past matters. It, it made us who we are today. But the fact is today I can change. I can change the world if I wanted to. My world, where I am in this world, I matter. Today matters. This interview matters. It's happening right now. It's real time. So that's what I'd rather be in touch with. I lost my son so quickly the night I searched for him, and there he was on the highway, dead, less than a half mile from me as I searched for him for four hours. Helicopters, it was just a terrible night, March 7th. So that that happened too quickly. I lost my beautiful son, and it can happen to us. So why are you living to next Tuesday? And you can think about it. We can talk about it, but you may not make it then. And, in fact, people that talk too much about the future – or too much in the past, you can't get through to them. It's like, dude, are you in the 60s or are you living right now? What are you doing? It's who we are right now that makes a difference to everybody in this planet, and people need to know that. I think Dark River somewhat explains that. Uh, you'll hear dreams turning into prophecies and cry for mercy on your knees. Those words came out because you don't cry for mercy when you're up on the Grammys and you just won three Grammys, or you're making six figures that year and all. you're celebrating. You're like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the dude. It's hard to be humble, is what I'm saying, in those instances, but you should be. But what I'm saying is when you're crying out for mercy for somebody that's dying, someone that's leaving, someone that's going through divorce, someone that can't make their rent, someone that's starving, someone that was beaten and raped, you cry for mercy. 
you don't sit there and laugh for mercy. You don't jump up and stand up and like it's no big deal. No. You cry out for mercy. For me, it's on my knees. When I pray for somebody, I'm on my knees. I don't just stand up like I'm taking a picture for Hollywood and, do I look good this way? Is my hair okay? No, let's pray. No. That's bullcrap. The natives, they would pray before battle. They would pray before birth, pray before death. They'd have death songs. They had powerful ways of prayer, and they weren't easy ways. They were fasting and praying and on a hilltop in a sweat lodge. They did it sacredly and secretly and quietly and beautifully. That's up to us, but I think that's the way it should be done. And you certainly have a lot of recordings that intersect with this. The music we've heard so far could be considered to be mainline, but you grew up with a certain set of music that's part of the reservation roots. On the reservation, you're hearing Bob Dylan and everybody else too, right? So it's not that you were disconnected with that, but there is a certain slice of music that you had on the reservation that 90% of the people in Wisconsin were not hearing at that time. What was that like for you? It was a connection between... There it is. It's it's a present. I had a cousin who played in a polka band, and he played accordion. His name was Lyle Gast, and my dad's sister was married to a Polish man in uh, Nina. And Lyle was an incredible musician, so I got to get into polkas. I loved it. And there's always a music type of going on on the reservation with the powwows and all that going on, the flutes. There's always some music that I've always been able to hear. Maybe I'm a weirdo, but I hear music in the rivers, and I'm not talking I'm a new ager walking around ready to start a cult tomorrow, the Bill Miller cult that's all dying a sweat lodge together. No, I'm talking I can hear the rhythm in the bird's wings. I can hear the rhythm over a creek. I can see and feel things that I hear hawks, eagles, loons, coyotes, different animals coming out, dogs barking, birds, the wind, the storms. All that became symphonic to me ever since I can remember. It was all music to my ears, and that the environment I lived in would eventually become cinematic to me and never leave me, whether it was Creedence Clearwater Revival, Johnny Cash, Roy Orbison, or The Wind. It was the same thing to me. Well, then let's share a little bit more of that music as it comes through you. What do you want to share next? Well, I think, Mark, I'd like to share the song Praises, which I wrote in 1993, actually the year, a few months before my father passed away of alcoholism, and I actually got Warner Brothers to rent a tour bus to go up to Shano, and we picked up the Smoky Town Singers and their family, a drum group from up there. My best friend from high school, Myron Watson, is the lead singer. And he came down with his mom, and they pulled him to the studio. And as far as I know, Nashville, the big-time studios, and the Nashville Network filmed it, so I'd like to see the film of it. But they've never had a native group of drummers and traditional singers in Nashville, in the history of Nashville music. I was the first one to do it. And they were freaking out. There were people coming from all over to see these guys, and we, we started to get down. And Myron's mom held me and blessed me, said she missed me, and she prayed a prayer over the land. As she was speaking, Myron started writing it down. He goes, Bill, you want to make a song out of this? I said, what is she saying? And this is not a man. Well, when then, Mama Kone no, Mama Kone. Well, when then, Mama Kone no. There's all these words. And I said, what is she saying? And he told me, and it, it's uh, the people, thank you, for we have everything we need. We thank you, our Father up above. We feel good in our hearts. We thank you, our Father. We thank you, our Father. We thank you, our Father up above. I said, yeah, let's make that a song. So he took the lyrics of his mom's prayer into the drum, and he started singing. And I was flipping out, and he got it pretty quick, about four or five takes. And he said, you want to sing over the top of this? I said, yeah. I came up with the A minor chord, and basically you're hearing live again a live recording because we didn't want to overdub this at all. 
the native drum wasn't meant to be put in like a guitar part. So they did their part, and I did my part in a closed-in area so I wouldn't bleed into their drums. But I sang the lyrics, the English version, which was my version, of what they were saying. And it's a prayer song. I sing it every time I play across the United States. There's never been a night where I don't sing praises. And it's from Bill Miller's recording, The Red Road. Here is Praises.
praises from The Red Road by Bill Miller back in 1993. This originates, and I guess it was quite a gift that you brought to Nashville, Bill, as you carried that down there. Have you ever been part of a drum circle? I mean, a group of the men who get together and play the drum and do the singing. Have you done that on a regular basis ever? Yeah, yeah, I have. I had powwows. I used to sit in, and, and even to this day, I love doing it. If I have more time, I'd like to go back into it. But it can be quite complex. It's not as easy as people think. There's certain codes the the singer, the lead singer has. He tells we're going to go one more round, one more time, stop this time. Or he tells little secret codes, and they, they overlap like they'll sing the lead part. And then the other guys will come in totally imitating that. Then the third time around, it's another vibe. It's complex. It's not as easy as you think at least the guys that I sing with. Now, there's other people that sing a little bit differently, but uh, northern style is the style that, that my tribe and, and the tribe up in uh, the Menominee sing. It's beautiful. It's my favorite. That's why this next song we're going to talk about, the last song I'd like the listeners to hear is a song called Raven in the Snow. I wrote it in 1995 when I thought my mom was going to die. She ended up living through breast cancer, and I was taken to the hospital, and uh, we were driving in a snowstorm to Green Bay, and a big raven landed in front of us in the snow when we stopped at the stop sign. And I could not believe how the sun was shining on it that day. I could see purples, blues, reds, blacks, violet, you name it, pink. Uh, everything was in that raven's color, green, indigo. But it shone out in the snow like, like nothing I've ever seen. And I, I love my mom, and I miss her dearly. She lived for, like I said, just until two years ago, from 1995 through a, a breast cancer. That song is about the battle for life, and, and it doesn't talk about my mom at all in there. I talk about people uh, abusing life and kingdoms and modern society and lies and cheating. So it isn't about cancer. It isn't about losing your mother at all. It's about the battle, the battle in life. It's a rocker. That's me playing the electric guitar in there. And I would say that your voice is somewhat Dylan-esque in this. How enthusiastic have you been about Dylan over the decades that he's been playing? I love Dylan. I've always been a fan of his. I still am. Yeah, he influenced me big time, especially in those days. Well, you're influencing a lot of people with your music over the decades you've been doing it. Again, folks, I want to remind you to go to his website, BillMiller.co. BillMiller.co. The link is on NorthernSpiritRadio.org. I also have a link to a couple of the videos, including the video for Windows of Time on our site. We're going to conclude our visit with Bill Miller with his song, Raven in the Snow. Not something I imagine you get real frequently down in Nashville. It seems more like a Wisconsin kind of song that way. Do you get snow down there in Nashville? Yeah, actually we do, and it's usually in January, never over Christmas. But one Christmas it did snow a little bit, but not, not much, not enough to make you scared. But it scares these people out of their minds. They get these muckalucks on, and they, they buy all the bread and milk off from the store thinking they're going to be, you know, dying. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's nothing, you know. They don't know how to drive in it either. And they don't salt the roads here, so that gets funky. The snow melts the ice, and it gets a little cold here, and people drive like crazy. So I don't like that part of it, but it's what it is. I just want to say thank you so much for giving me a chance to speak my heart and spirit on your show. I want to I want to say I'll be thinking of you and your listeners when this goes out. I hope the music blesses you, uh, whoever you are out there, in a special way. I don't mean it to rile you up. I never write music for that, for people to get into fights or arguments. It's about healing for me, reconciling. It always has been and always will. And if I can make a specific request of you, Bill, 
my wife has had five of six chemo treatments for lymphoma cancer that she has, and she's doing well. Just a few weeks ago, she was feeling particularly in need of prayers. So I asked one of my very best Jewish friends for prayers, uh, some Muslim friends for prayers. There was some Mormon congregation praying for her, a unity congregation. I didn't ask any of my Native American friends for prayers. Would you do that for Sandra, for my wife? Oh, sure, I will. I will pray for her tonight, yep. It's As a Quaker, I am very open to all of the blessings that come from the various corners, and you've just brought us such a pile of them today, Bill. I want to thank you so much for carrying on this prayerful, spiritual witness of life and for joining us today for Song of the Soul. Thank you, Mark. Thanks to Catherine Thomas for production assistance on today's program. We'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. Here is Bill Miller, Raven in the Snow.
theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy, let in the light, it will heal you. And you can feel you and sing out a song.